Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, gang, you know, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online has you covered all the news, scores, and the odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. You head to the website betonline.ag or you use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, welcome once again, everybody. Our guest on this episode shattered baseball's glass, seemingly stone ceiling. She's Miami Marlins general manager, Kim Eng, who ahead of the 2021 season became the big league's first ever female general manager. Mark, for Kim, this was a huge, and I think most would agree, long overdue accomplishment, especially for somebody who has more than 30 years of experience working in baseball and as a club executive, including assistant GM, had a hand in eight postseason appearances and three World Series titles. Mike, assistant GM at 29 years old. So that opportunity to become a GM was first and foremost her priority. She got passed up so many times, and now a Yankee, Derek Jeter, hires her with the Miami Marlins. I think this is a fantastic hire, but I also realize, too, this is groundbreaking for so many levels, and she deserves it because anyone that's been around Kim, as I have, understands she has knowledge of people, she has the personality to go out there and be the face of the organization, and now she's taken on a responsibility to put the Marlins where they need to be. Kim, we're really glad that we're able to catch up with you. A lot to get into. You've been working toward your current role for a long time, 30 years in the game, and now you're baseball's first female GM. You land the Marlins job in November of 2020, but a few months have passed now, and the dust we're imagining is starting to begin to settle. Is there anything you're experiencing now in your new role that you hadn't expected or anticipated? No, and I think that comes from um, being in the game for so long and, and having held the positions that I did. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that some people realize I've actually worked for four first-time general managers. Wow. So, well, that's a lot, right? Uh, there's a little bit of turnover uh, in my career uh, over you know, above me. So, um, so yeah, I, I got to learn from a lot of them. Um, you know, got to see the things that, that worked, a lot of the things that didn't work. So, you know, I can tell you that, um, you know, I've just been really fortunate to work for good people and learn from them. And, um, you know, I feel like I, I've been prepared for a while. And so nothing has come as a surprise yet. Um, obviously, some things have changed, you know, in a more substantive level. Um, technology is a little different than when I was doing this earlier. Um, and so those things, I think I need to get a little bit more caught up on, but nothing has really surprised me too, too much. You know, they talk about the need to establish relationships and earning respect and trust uh, along the way. Everybody focuses now on the analytics and being a quant uh, and data-driven, but one of your strengths that we've heard for years has always been your ability to establish those relationships. You've said before, you know, you can't even remember how many times you've been passed over uh, for a GM role. Always a bridesmaid, I think was your quote. But then you finally get the breakthrough. Take us back to the moment you were offered the Marlins job and walk us through it. Who from the organization spoke with you? And what was that conversation like? Well, the person who spoke to me was a Hall of Famer shortstop, (laughs) (laughs) Derek Jeter. Um, And 
Yeah, Derek and I had had numerous conversations throughout the process, um, you know, and and I think, you know, what was going through my head at the time, and and I had um, you know, actually planned this out a little bit, was to to really just put my best foot forward and just, you know, give them who I was and you know lay it all up on the table. Um, and I started getting going and it was you know, about five, six, seven minutes in and he kept trying to interject and I was just, I was going full steam. And uh, he finally just said, hey, Kim. <laughs> I said, what? And he said, I just, wanted, I just want you to be my next general manager. He just stopped me, you know, full on. And I just, you know, I, I think I, you know, I've described it now uh, a few times, but it was um, disbelief. And then after about five seconds, it was just relief, um, you know, that it had finally happened. And, you know, it wasn't, it was for me, obviously, for sure, but it was also for, I think, um, you know, the idea, you know, the concept of um, a woman being able to do this now. Um, and that's always, you know, been really important to me, again, regardless of whether it was me or not, that, that, that we were able to break this, this ceiling. Yeah, and that impact, Kim, I think is is extra special. And uh, when you find out that news, uh, flood of texts, voicemail, phone conversations, I'm sure, any one of those uh, particular ones stick out that ha- had a huge impact on you and was like, wow, I-, I can't believe I've had an impact on so many people throughout the game and throughout uh, the world. There were so many. I mean, hundreds, you know, probably over a thousand, um, you know, I- Look, I think there were, you know, some tweets out there that were pretty inspiring um, between Michelle Obama, you know, Hillary Clinton, Billie Jean King. I actually got a very nice uh, email from Sheryl Sandberg. Um, but I think from all the, the, the text messages that I got, I think the one thing that, that really hit was just how many people... I had come across over the course of my career and had some kind of impact on, um, and you know, people you just wouldn't have wouldn't have thought, you know, and and they took the time to you know send a, a very you know very nice congratulatory messages, and so I think that was the one thing that really hit me so hard, and and you know I think you know if people only knew, and and this is one of the things that also ran through my head is. You know, for all the people that had interviewed me, if they only knew the number of people, you know, across the different disciplines of the industry, um, you know, that had faith in me and and my skill and my ability, um, you know, this all would have gone a little bit quicker. (laughs) (laughs) Your patience uh, and perseverance really paid off. You know, we heard an interesting quote in Good Morning America and ABC from Robin Roberts, uh, who was saying, in essence, Derek Jeter is your branch Ricky, um, the way Ricky was, right, to to uh, Jackie Robinson, Derek Jeter perhaps, uh, offering the same type of branch. Was there a point or has there been a point as you, as you go through this mentally where you are able to appreciate the true impact that this is having or are there still surprises as the days go by like holy smoke this is resonating way beyond where i expected to be i mean this is a time where the nation's battling through uh, all types of social injustice and trying to reckon uh with race issues and the like what's your take there 
Yeah, I, I guess first let me say, you know, in terms of Derek, um, you know, one of my thoughts through the process was uh, that the person to make this happen was a player. And I think that says a lot, you know, and I think it, you know, it says a lot about Derek that, um, you know, he was the one that, that had the courage to do this. And that's, you know, what, what I've said and, and what, you know, a number of others that are close to me have said that, you know, all it was going to do is take a little courage um, for someone to look beyond gender um, and, and make, you know, the right decision, a good decision. Um, so um, on that note, uh, yes, it, there are many days where I cannot even fathom how, how much impact this has had. Um, and I don't get it from within. I get it from all of you. You know, I get it from the media. I get it from um, tweets that friends and family send to me about, you know, the influence and just the genuine impact that I've had on on so many. And I think you know, all ages. Um, you know, from five year old girls, like you know, I get these cute handwritten letters. Um, you know, with stickers that say "Girls rule the world. Girls rock." <laughs> <laughs> To you know, to to people in their you know, to women in their nineties, um, and so it is good to get those things because I think it makes me realize and and appreciate um, you know what has really happened. I think if it was just me and you know, knowing the way I am and myself, you just do what you do. You know, this is what I've done for you know twenty plus years. Um, you know, in terms of being with a club. And it, it, you know, it comes fairly secondhand for me now, um, but it's, you know, people like yourselves and, and others who make me take a step back and understand um, that it's been quite an inspiration for others. Kim, uh, I, I've been fortunate to be around you uh, in the Los Angeles Dodgers organization, both as a player and also a representative in the front office. Um, your calm demeanor resonates with me, uh, but also the, the confidence that you had um, the reason why I say that is that when you're told that you're getting the job, it really directs right to family and the family values of what has been created. Your mom, obviously your dad who passed away when you were 11 years old, but your sisters, um, that reaction and to be able to celebrate that moment. What was that like for you? So first it was strange. It was odd because it was, you know, obviously during COVID. Um, and so we all had to stay socially distanced um, and with masks. But other than that, um, you know, being in my uh, being a girl in my family has always been a big deal. Um, my mom is the oldest girl in her family out of four. I'm the oldest of five girls in my family, and so there's a lot of X gene, uh, <laughs> X chromosome in our family. Um, but you know, to be able to celebrate with them um, meant everything in the world to me. Um, you know, they have always been there for me. And it was just, it was a great moment. And and I described this moment um, to a couple of others. Uh, my mom is definitely serious tiger mom. You know, <laughs> and I told her what was going on. She pulled down her mask and she said, long overdue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. it's interesting to me that she would, uh, she would say that because we read that she was a banker, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, correct? And she didn't exactly have an affinity for your pursuit, did she? Didn't she want to 
have you chase something other than baseball? No, she didn't embrace my $750 a month internship. (laughs) (laughs) My University of Chicago degree. Uh, No, she would send me articles on becoming, you know, a lawyer, um, going into banking every week when I was in my 20s. Um, And so she definitely did not embrace it. But I think she knew that I was following my heart. And uh, eventually it, it paid off in a very big way. What's her conversation been like with you uh, since now that uh, you are the general manager of the Miami Marlins? Is there a note of, hey, I told you so? <laughs> <laughs> um, she she um, she's just still tiger mom. She just, you know, is always reminding me uh, what a, what a huge impact that I'm having. So she's she's been great. Well, folks, you know we're getting to the point now where prioritizing mental health is becoming far less stigmatized. People are talking about strategies to stay centered and calm in their everyday lives now. And if CBD products are part of your routine, you might want to check out our new sponsor, Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12. And today, you can get 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com. You use the code MAJORS at the checkout page. That's sundayscaries.com right now to get that 25% off CBD gummies. Kim, most of our careers, uh, we have mentors that uh, accelerate uh, your learning curve, but also are are right there for a phone call or a text message or encouragement. Uh, Mentors in your life that, uh, other than family, have been impactful in your career. Um, Dan Evans was my first boss with the White Sox and, um, you know, profound impact in terms of my career. He also was the guy who brought me to the Dodgers. Um, So I've worked for him twice um, but always incredibly prepared, in, incredibly thorough, you know, great relationship guy. And so um, he was always there uh, guiding me. And then I would say, I mean, you know, there, I'm, I'm so lucky that I've had a number of them. Um, Joe Torrey um, in a very big way. Um, Joe has this incredible knack for taking fairly complex problems when I've described them to him and succinctly uh, processing it down to one sentence and then saying, you know, w- without any hesitation at all, just give me an answer. <laughs> so yeah. Every time he does it, I just go, oh, God, how does he do that? <laughs> um, Bob Daly, who was um, um, the head of the Dodgers when I was hired there, um, you know, part owner of the Dodgers, um, he was a great businessman, worked his way up, um, believe from C- in CBS, uh, you know, up through, he ran um, Warner Brothers and just a great businessman. And every day when I was negotiating with an agent, um, you know, and different players, he would come into my office and say, did you close? Did you close? Close the deal. So he was always, he was a, a great person for me to go to. Um, but so many have been lucky. Brian Cashman, you know, again, so many. It's it's interesting because I, I read a quote that Brian Cashman said that that makes so much sense of, of the value that you bring to an organization. And I and I quote from Brian Cashman, she pos- she possesses great knowledge and had this amazing demeanor about her. You could, she could connect with anybody and everybody. She's got the great 
likability factor. Um, that's high praise from somebody that works in the, the biggest market, but also understands uh, the people and and what it takes to uh, drive an organization. Uh, what's your comment uh, about that thought? Well, I, you know, I appreciate that from Brian because he is a great relationship guy. Um, and, and that's one thing that I think, you know, has always driven him um, and, you know, whether it's front office folks, scouts, players, coaches, media, um, Brian has, you know, all those relationships. And so coming from him, that means quite a bit. You know, look, I think this this game in many ways is built on relationships, you know, whether you're out on the field, whether you're trying to get, um, you know, staff to do what needs to be done, whether you're trying to get them to work 90 hours a week, um, you know, or you're trying to get information from scouts. It's all about the relationships that you build. And so um, that is something that that has been a foundation and a bedrock um, in my career. And um, it's, it's something that I'll always cherish. And, and, you know, again, you know, those thousand plus texts that came through, I think, show that. So you're talking names, Brian Cashman, Joe Torrey, Ned Coletti, Dan Evans, Ron Schuler. You got three Yankee championships to your credit. You handle contracts, you handle squabbles, you handle fights. Best advice you have ever received. From who and what was it? I would probably say um, from Dan Evans, and he told me to open the scope. And this, I think, definitely relates to my personality in particular, because I tend to just you know, when you tell me to get something done, I am fairly laser focused in it. Um, but there are definitely times, whether it's, you know, in a day, in a week, you know, in a project, when you're working on a project, where you do have to pick up your head and just understand what's going on around you. And you have to understand the landscape in which it's happening. Um, because I do think we tend to get mired down in the details and the minutia. Um, and when you open up the scope, I think it provides you with um, more direction than you might normally see yourself having. Um, and then that's something that, you know, has guided me in my career, um, as well as, you know, again, on smaller things like different projects. But you have to understand where you actually want to get to. And you can only do that by picking your head up sometimes. Uh, Kim, uh, as Mike mentioned, three World Series championships you've been involved with. Um, uh, I think when you take a job like this, your first thought is, how do we get to that trophy presentation? Um, do you, You've you always been a dreamer, and, and I love that aspect of you. Have you dreamt about grabbing that World Series trophy and hoisting it by yourself? And does that uh, come into play? Yeah, I have thought about it. And then I tell myself, calm down, (laughs) (laughs) calm down, tranquilo. You know, I think, look, I think when you're building a club, um, there are steps that you need to take. And, you know, you also have to display a lot of patience, Um, you know, particularly with with a club like this, you know, um, in a market like this, you know, where you're not going to necessarily have all the resources that, you know, New York Yankees or Boston Red Sox, you know, has. So I think, you know, from that perspective, um, you know, the trophy is out there and you look to it and that keeps you going. 
um, but you know that there are some very fundamental steps you need to take to get there. And I, and I think those are the things that drive us and um, you know, just make sure we stay on that path. One last question for me, Kim, um, and not to minimize the positions you've had before, because you've been in rooms where there's a lot of personalities, a lot of people that have to talk first. Now you're the first voice. Uh, what's that like for you? And are you ready for that? Because yes, you're ready to take a position, but sometimes uh, taking that first conversation to set the tone and what the room is, uh, is a daunting task. I know you've prepared this and, and we've heard that you're ready for it. Um, what's that like for you? You know, I'll, I'll say this, Mark. Um, you know, the jobs that I've had before, you know, I do realize now, you know, how huge a step it is to become a general manager and, and being in these shoes now because all eyes are on you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think, again, you know, going back to the bosses that I've had, um, you know, the jobs that I've had, even my last job at MLB, um, there are definitely certain things that I've taken from each of them that have prepared me for this situation. Um, and so being the first voice is not a problem you know, being the last voice, you know, that's where you have to make sure that you take particular care because that's going to be the decision that you make for the entire organization. So, um, and I think in between is where you listen to all the other voices in the room, right? And so um, it's a, it is a big step, you know, it's a challenging step, um, but, you know, I'm ready for it. You know, it's interesting you point that out that, uh, the buck basically now stops with you and you are the central focus uh, for the organization. So that said, you've mentioned that you feel that you have a responsibility to continue setting examples for women and for minorities. Now that you are the front person for the band, how does that shape what you say and what you do and how you are aware of how you carry yourself moment to moment and day to day? I've always been aware of it. I've always been aware of it aware of it because I've had to. Because when there are people gunning for you, you can't screw up. And, you know, you just, I'm, I'm not the only one. Um, you know, I'm not the only woman that's, that's um, you know, been in bo- baseball operations, but obviously I've been one of the more high profile ones. And um, I know that there have always been many eyes upon me um, throughout my career. And so I never felt like I could screw up. And of course we all do, but um, you know, you have to keep those to a minimum, um, you know, or hopefully they're private enough. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but that, that's just the truth of the matter. You know, everyone was, not everyone, but, you know, there are many that, that weren't necessarily as supportive, you know, and they were always looking for a chance to poke holes. So I think you just, you know, you have to make sure that, you know, you are prepared as you go into this. And, and you know, I just have been my whole career and really tried to, to present that to people. Kim, I, I know I said last one, but uh, Derek Jeter not being inducted last year because of the pandemic. He's inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, your plans to attend that? I don't know. We'll see if he gives me the day off. (laughs) (laughs) What a strange role. You go from basically being one of his bosses to now working together. And I guess in a hierarchy of things, he still remains the title holder for that. What's that dynamic like for you now day to day? Oh, we like to kid each other, Um, you know, and and it's 
I will say it's it's just very comfortable, you know, having known him as a player, um, you know, and having seen him, um, you know, as a young guy. I mean, he was like 24 years old when I first met him. Um, to now he's got no hair and got to work out a little harder to stay in shape. Um, but no, he's, um, it's been, it's been great so far. He's, he's let me do my job. Um, he's been there when I've needed to talk to him. Um, but, you know, again, I, I would just describe it as very comfortable, you know, because we have that history with each other. And I think, you know, for, for the two of us, I think one of the most, um, you know, interesting things was after each conversation, I just felt like we were speaking the same language because we had that history and we knew what that championship caliber team looked like. And it wasn't, um, you know, just one year, it was several years. And it was, you know, you saw a few of the, of the players change, the characters change in the story, but it was still the same outcome for three of those years. And I think the other thing is knowing what it took um, on a daily basis to achieve that type of excellence. And so I think that was the common language that that we felt um, in the conversations. And I think, you know, even now, you know, just in some of the things that we talk about, um, you know, we just know what it looks like. Well, we can't thank you enough for spending so much time with us. We know how busy you are catching you uh, when you're first getting your feet wet in a spring training with the with the Marlins. So thanks for the time. Mark and I both have daughters. We love what you're doing for the game and for the world. And as fans of you personally, uh, congratulations and best of luck. Thank you. And this is only for Swedes. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much, Kim. And uh, right, take care. Go, go keep killing it and doing your thing. All right. We'll see you. Thanks so much for checking out Major League Beginnings. If you had as much fun as we did, we hope you'll go ahead and hit the subscribe button where you usually download your podcast from. It could be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you like. We're just glad to have you aboard, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.